heard of us, you've heard of him, you've heard of me. It's our two-year podcast anniversary. Way. Welcome to the That's A Rap podcast, the show where we, me and Matty P wrap up the latest films that we've seen. I'm Joe Downey. And I'm your co-host, Matt Parkinson. The date of recording today is the 11th of February and the time of recording is 12.03pm. For the latest updates, remember to follow our Instagram pages at TAW Podcast. That is TAW Podcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be available over there. You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's Rap Podcast or once again TAW Podcast. To make, so make sure to give us a like and share as it really helps out the show. When it comes to listening, we are available on all major DSPs such as Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast and Apple Music. So make sure to give us a follow and download on those platforms and leave a review where available as it really helps out the show. If you guys would like to keep up to date with the latest films that we've seen both in and outside of the podcast, you can check out our letterbox pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P. The opening and closing jingles that you hear on the show are by Philip Buster, so please check out his music at soundcloud.com forward slash philipbuster underscore official. That is soundcloud.com forward slash philipbuster underscore official. How are we doing? We are doing okay. <laughs> so yeah, two years. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Joe. Thank you. I, I've got you. Um, anyway, how are you doing? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing very well. Um, it's 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 been a very lovely two years, and here's to another. Yeah. I don't know how long this podcast is going to last. We'll, we'll see. We may even be in person at one point again. Madness. <laughs> who, who knows? Crazy, crazy. So yeah, um, little little insight is to, into the uh, semi-concept of the day. Uh, so obviously there's been a quick turnaround as we recorded our Jane Campion episode last week. But um, we're basically just talking about two of our favourite films and having a chat about them and ch- uh, chatting to each other about why we like them how the how we've grown to them and vice versa um but i guess before we get into that um i personally haven't watched too many other films outside of the films that we're doing today um what about you matt uh i've watched a few films apart from the ones we're talking about today so i've watched um recently i watched cloud atlas for the first time i just now remember oh, wow. that that was it's very <laughs> interesting film very ambitious very a big film um right. yeah that I, I quite liked it actually it is a very kind of you don't expect it to work as well as it does because it is a lo- there's a lot going on for anyone who knows cloud atlas but i i feel like it kind of works it's entertaining and there are a few bits which are problematic but it works i think um then on the opposite end of the uh, sort of budget spectrum, I watched Bait again for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, I wasn't a big fan did, of... Did you like... Yeah, I was about to say, did you like Bait the first time you watched it? No, not really. I, I couldn't really remember what happened. In it. A lot of people seem to love this film, and the reason I rewatched it was because I recently read uh, Mark Kermode's list of best films each year, and he put Bait as not right. only the best film of 2019, but the best film of the decade of the 2010s so i thought right i've clearly missed something (laughs) yeah i've clearly missed something here so i watched it again and yeah i i hated it less i think but i didn't love it i i liked it a little bit more than i did before best film of the 2010s no not even the best film of 2019 (laughs) um but it's it's fine like i 
I liked it a little bit. What was bit. a standout in 2019, now that I'm trying to think about it? Oh, I guess, well, you had Parasite, you had yeah, Uncut Yeah, that's Gems. what literally, yeah, Parasite. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of... 2019 was a good year. It was a great year for films. Um, yeah. and, and then... so and then, was, was... Sorry, was it 2014 that everyone kind of goes back to as, like, a real standout? Was that Whiplash, 2014? Yeah, Whiplash, Grand Budapest, Birdman, yeah. uh, Boyhood... Um, it's it's certainly a year people go back. Oh, Gone Girl as well. People go back to that and say right. like, oh yes, this was a great year for film. And I think twenty nineteen yeah. is also up there. You you see a lot of these posts yeah. on Instagram of like best years for film, and they, it always pops up. And okay. rightly well, so. Well, speaking of um, speaking of like just uh, people looking what more so uh, twenty fourteen people look back at that in terms of like those films are like the Oscar noms of that year. So we've just gotten uh, our 2022, uh, is it the 94th Academy Award? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes. Um, yeah, so the nominations have been announced. We'll just, we won't like fully go into them, but we'll just have a light chat on them. Um, going into it, I, this is probably one of the first times I could, couldn't care less <laughs> about the nominations being announced. And then they did. And then I was like, okay, they're not entirely mid-tier, but I, yeah. What, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm trying... Because over the last three or four years, I've kind of gotten very invested in the Oscars, and I feel like it's not good for me. <laughs> so I'm trying to just kind of let it pass by and think, oh, okay, I liked right. some of these. So I have opinions on... I have, like, strong opinions on some of the categories. But um, So, like, for example, Best Picture, I would really like to go to West Side Story, as it is. Okay. Out of the ones I've seen, it is probably the best i think of of the nominees yeah. i've seen I, I haven't seen drive my car yet i've heard that's very good but um west side story is coming to disney plus soon by the way oh just, right just, you know. oh. um yeah i haven't seen drive there's a lot of them i haven't seen i still yeah. haven't seen drive my car um don't look up Scott nominated for best picture, which is interesting. Which I still haven't seen, um, but I feel like from all the opinions I've not, heard on it's it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, from all the opinions I've heard of it, both positive and negative, I've formed kind of a mental, sort of three dimensional clay model of this film in my head, and I feel like I don't need to see it because I feel like I know everything it about is that it. clay model. An Oscar statue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know. I haven't seen the object, but I've seen all the shadows of the object, so I know. Right. I basically know what it is. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it, probably. Um, best director, I kind of... like. I know, I think Jane Campion's getting a lot of buzz. I, I would really like to see the PTA, or I know Spielberg's won twice already, but West Side Story is so well-directed. I kind of want to see him win say, that. It seems, it seems to be another case of Jane Campion versus uh, Steven Spielberg, because... Oh, God, yes! I didn't even think of that. Spielberg beat... Speak, spill, spill, uh, I can't speak today. Spielberg won. What did he win? For, uh, uh, Schindler's List. The piano. Schindler's, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Yeah. Maybe this will be Return um, of the yeah, Jedi it's... for Jane Campion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just I just found it interesting considering we just uh, chat started. Uh, our last episode was chatting about her. Yeah. And uh, Power of the Dog has kind of swept nominations wise. All it has. of the actors have been nominated. Um, and this did did it get score? I did, yeah. Johnny Greenwood for best score. Which, I mean, out of Johnny Greenwood's scores, I think... Of this year. Anyway, yeah. I, like, I've heard great things about the Spencer one. I haven't listened to it, but I, I don't know. I, it's really That good. one seems a bit more experimental. Um, June's got some nominations, which is always good to see. Um, but no best director for Denis Villeneuve. Best screenplay, uh, no. though. Yeah. 
Um, Kenneth Branagh, uh, I've got my own thoughts on Kenneth Branagh, but that's outside of the film, so I can't really talk on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, two couples have been nominated, so Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst and uh, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. Very um, good. Yeah. Um, just trying to think yeah, like of some other anomalies. I Yeah, I haven't seen Drive My Car yet, so there's not much I can speak about with that and i hadn't seen king richard either um but they've been nominated for best picture nightmare alley got the best i didn't expect that best picture. I, I really did. i thought it would be yeah. kind of it would get like a production design nomination and then we'd leave it at that sure. i didn't think it would make the best picture uh yeah. thing um, but yeah uh, best original screenplay i want to go to pta for licorice pizza just it is the i think the best of the nominees and also i just want him to win his first award and i think that's his best shot right and then best actor, I kind of want Andrew Garfield to win for Tick Tick Boom. Oh yeah, that'd be great. And that's yeah. that's kind of where um, my I'm, opinions are. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of love for the worst person in the world. I really want to watch it, oh, but yeah. I, yeah, I can't comment on it. And yeah. um, best adapted screenplay, we've got Dune, Coda. I need to see Coda. Apple TV are doing all right at the moment because they've got Coda. They've got um, Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, yeah, still need to see Flea. I've heard good things about Flea. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess, quickly wrap it up, we've got be- be- for Best Animated Film, which is usually just the Disney category, let's be honest. Uh, we've got Encanto, Flea again, Luca, The Mitchells versus The Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Bathwater. Um, <laughs> um, so, what, what do you think of that section? Uh, I've only... Of those nominated films, I think I've only seen Encanto, and by by the sounds oh, right. of it, it's probably going to win. Because I read somewhere that the Oscar voters in that category usually just vote for what their kids watched, so oh, definitely. It, it might mean that Flea won't win unless some kids have been watching this very hard-hitting yeah. animated documentary. <laughs> no, I think Encanto is probably going to win. Yeah. With that section, it always seems like it goes like popular Disney stuff, and then if they see a semi-avant-garde animated film, they're like, oh, we'll give you the nomination. Uh, you know, here you go, Anomalisa, but we're not giving you anything. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, like... Uh, I, I was about to say Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's good. But you know what I mean. I know like, what you it mean, just, yeah. They'll just pop it to, like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's between Encanto and, and Luca. The Mitchell vs. Machines looks great, but it's not a good film. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I wasn't looking forward to the Oscars. I kind of am a little bit more interested now just with some of these anomalies, especially with the drive my car thing. Um, yeah, that, that seems like a decent wrap up. What, what do you think in terms of the Oscars? Yeah, sure. I've, I've given my extensive opinions on, on them. Yeah. I, I only have like... <laughs> Like I said, opinions on four of the categories, cool. really. The rest is kind of, I can take or so, leave. <laughs> there we are. So, um, so yeah. Let's, so, if we... Um, we're kind of freestyling a bit, <laughs> but it's, it's good freestyling. Uh, we've got our first film of the day, which is one of my favourite films, is uh, from 1997, not to be confused with the later remake, uh, Funny Games by Michael Haneke. Or Mike... Uh, I... I now feel like I should properly pronounce his name, but I don't want to be that person that like you know when like people overly pronounce bolognese, right? And they sound silly. I, I say so I'm, more, I, like, I, I'm I not going to attempt. <laughs> I usually say Hanukkah, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a better way to pronounce it, but doesn't mean I'm not respecting... I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, funny games. Uh, if to, Off the top of my head, the synopsis I would say is a suburban family go to their vacation home where they get a their house invaded by two antagonists with the names, the appeared names of Peter and Paul, uh, and they force them to play these sadistic, quote-unquote, funny games. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Matt? Yes, yeah, a very, very concise... Um synopsis mine would be probably quite similar cool (laughs) so yeah um i feel like whenever i tell people this is one of my favorite films they they get a bit worried um please don't be it's just like i don't like sit in a basement watching this film non-stop uh like i i don't watch it that often to be honest because of how it is but how many times have you seen like it for how it is um so I saw it in college. I've shown it to you guys. Um, I think this might have been the third or fourth time. Okay. Off the top of my head. Same here. It's my third time watching this film. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, what was the experience? What was, so obviously we'll go into our, like inside the actor studio type questions. But, <laughs> uh, how, was, how was the first time? What was the first time? watching it uh, so first time i watched it i i don't think i'd heard of michael hanukkah before i was i'm a bad film student <laughs> uh it was through you you were the first one to show me this film first person to introduce me to michael hanukkah and I, I remember watching it the first time i wasn't really fully invested in it because of just stuff that was going on i was very tired during that day <laughs> so i kind of I don't know, I think I gave it like a 7 out of 10 just to be like, yep, I've seen it, good. Because it, it's a very kind of slow film you have to be patient with and kind of pay attention to to fully enjoy, and I don't think I was in that right mindset. So I kind of write off the first time I've seen it almost. Second time I watched it was um, in preparation for that uh, birthday present I made for you, the little uh, funny games inspired. Do you want to tell them? Because they, they, they might not know. Oh, okay, so, so for, for Joe's birthday a couple of years ago... I made an animation inspired by three of his favourite films, which were, at the time, Funny Games, Paddington 2, and Happy Feet. I thought it would be funny to combine those. So I rewatched Funny Games and basically looked at it like shot for shot, tried to replicate that in animation. And I enjoyed it a lot more on rewatch. I, I think it's a really fantastic film. It is... It's... He's a good friend, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> That's all right. You no, it was a lot of fun to film. make. You can easily watch the trailer. <laughs> oh, no, I wanted to get the like... full sense of it. You know, I wanted to... Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, it's... No, and watching it wasn't a chore. I really... I mean, I, I guess enjoyed is the wrong word, but it was a really great experience. I felt fully immersed in it because it is a greatly upsetting film and you, you mm. kind of feel that to it to the highest extent when watching it. And that's attributed right. partly to the very good filmmaking. And then, yeah, I watched it a third time in preparation for this podcast episode with my mum, who... Mm. Real quick, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, just uh, for listeners, if they want to see your animation, where can they go find it? Oh, um... Just, just your, ad, your, your work in general. No, nowhere. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I haven't uploaded it anywhere because I, I don't think it's... No, no, just your, your work. Oh, right, we, okay. Not, I have... not everyone might know that you animate. So, oh, okay, you know. uh, yeah, just a little plug. So I've got a YouTube channel called Animati P. That's like Annie, A-N-A, sorry, A-N-I, and then Matty P, as you would, yeah. Um, that's my YouTube channel. There are a few videos up there. Um, and if you go to my Facebook, you can also probably see a few things that I posted 
on Facebook there, so my Facebook is just Matthew well, Parkinson. I don't know, like, it'd have to be people you know to go to your Facebook, but... Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's... Public pages, YouTube, yeah, YouTube I just channel. wanted to quickly yeah. plug that, oh, thank you he's very a good much. boy. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, he's getting <laughs> better and better and better. Thank time. you, thank you, yeah. No, Hopefully more stuff will come. So and yeah, um... That that's my extent. You, so of... you watched it with your so you watched it with your mum recently, and uh, please tell them why I react like that. <laughs> yeah, because I, I watched. I, I was telling my mum about this upcoming episode of the podcast, how we're doing our, our favorite films episode, and one of the films is Funny Games. And I was telling my mum about it, and I, I basic because she was curious about it. She said, "Oh, maybe we should watch it together." And I warned her because my mum has a certain criteria with films. I feel like when she watches a film it can't be a film that's too sad or too gory or or anything like that um so i I spoiled the ending of the film for my mum i said just be warned this happens it's not a pleasant film at all and my mum said yeah let's watch it and we watched it together and to my surprise my mum really liked it actually she had a really good time watching it she didn't walk out part way through as she said she might um and she gave a very articulate review of it as well about how it portrays the sort... I mean, we'll get into this more as you talk about it, mm. but it's how it portrays the sort of cold reality of violence, how the sort of main right. antagonist of the film is so wonderfully punchable in the film. Like, he's mm. so irritating. No, she had a, a really good time with it. Um, and I, I'm very happy she did. She might check out more of Michael Haneke's films. Uh, so I guess my yeah, first true, question but... to you, Joe, is, as this is one of your favourite films, you want to first talk a bit about how you first came across this sure. film and why you fell in love with it. Okay. So mm-hmm. I feel like... Oh, sorry, I don't know. If I keep... Yeah, great. My sister's on a phone call right outside when I'm recording. Great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I feel like looking back on a lot of my, my favourite films, I feel like a lot of that has been shaped by doing film studies in college. So a lot of my tastes and a lot of the ones I like are just ones that we've been taught in college. For instance... Um, we got taught and shown uh, about uh, Chunking Express and Talk to Her, those films, and Rear Window. A lot of those films, uh, well, Rear Window is one of my favourite films, Chunking Express is one of my favourite films, and now Funny Games. Those are all films that I've been shown in college. So Not only do I have that sentimental attachment to it, but I, that's when I first had the discovery of these certain aspects that I like in films. <clears throat> okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, at do just a quick retake. Um, so yeah. Um, what was my train of thought? <laughs> so I was asking you why this film is your favorite and how you discovered it, and you were telling me about right. what you studied in college. Yeah. So um, essentially, I've realised looking back on certain films that are like anxious thrillers, where people will go like, "Oh, why would you want to sit through that again?" or anything like that is that it's controlled. It's, you know what you're getting when you, you watch it. Um, and that's something I, like, I know I'm going to have a visceral reaction every time I watch this film. Um, and I still get it, um, even, like, even with the gaps that I've had in between it. And I, I find that just interesting that this film always manages to do that. Um, for a bit of context with the film without fully spoiling it, uh, this film does not re- does not care about the audience's satisfaction at all. <laughs> like, uh, like the antagonists are very much in control, and there's no redemption essentially without 
fully ruining what happens. Um, I guess another little tidbit. I've always said this film's available on YouTube free. It's no longer. Um, I've probably... I think it might be. on all of them or something. All oh, right. I, I think it is because... I, I was struggling to find it. Because <laughs> I, I rented it and then I realised after we'd finished it that about two spaces next to it was the free version. Just, <laughs> just there. So I, I wasted money. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good film to pay for. Yeah, no, it but, is. Um, it's only two forty nine. Yeah, so, so essentially, for I guess for a bit more context, this film was taught as a method of like in college, it's showing how film can manipulate and just like about like shock value and violence, and that's a lot of the themes within this film. Uh, the director Michael Haneke feels some type of way about violence on film. Um, what I find quite funny is he's kind of a part of that problem, but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't fully agree with him all the time, but um, something that's very, um, I can't say visceral again, but like something that's very reactionary about this film is that it's a very uh, attacking film in that it doesn't actually show a lot of the violence in this film. It, it cuts away. Um, it makes a point of not showing a lot of what's going on and your mind fills in the gaps. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I agree. <laughs> oh, it, no, no, it, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, yeah. So I just, I didn't want to like cut in. I wanted you to like let you go on no, the okay. stream of consciousness because it's very good. Um, no, I agree. And that's one of the reasons why my mum likes it so much. Because like I said, she doesn't mm. like gory films, but she did she praised the fact that this is a film that, you know, a lot of the violence is off screen and it's more the suggestion of violence. And there's often more attention paid to the kind of reaction to the violence that has taken place. Cause like there's a scene about halfway through this film where something happens, but we don't see the thing happen on screen, but we see the reaction to it. And it's like this very long shot, you know, the one I'm, hello. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't frozen i was just listening <laughs> sorry sorry um that that very long shot in the film is basically just a reaction to a violent act that's taken place and it's you know in my opinion probably the best moment in the film and kind of a perfect summary of what that film represents kind of like you were saying there's no redemption there's no satisfaction it is just kind of misery and up upsetting right. for the for that whole for that whole thing yeah <clears throat> yeah um it's not like critically panned but obviously with a film that's so it's going to be a polarizing film I, I feel like a lot of the negative reactions of the film is that people feel like uh they're being lectured uh, in in regards of how to feel about violence and stuff like that how did how do you feel about that sentiment do you feel like it's a lecturing film it's funny because so one of the people who said this was mark kermode wasn't it i think he he, this was his opinion on the film that he felt like he was being lectured he said he felt like a detention almost like he was being told off because he's a big fan of horror films but he you know he can appreciate a horror for its sort of visceral nature while still enjoying it and not feel like he's being condescended to but no, I, I I disagree with that opinion. I completely understand why people think that way. I completely understand it, but I I disagree personally. I didn't feel like I was being lectured with this film. I, I 
I guess maybe a, a tiny bit because there are these little fourth wall breaks in in the film, and I guess right. that's the closest it comes to making me feel like I was being talked down to in a sort of like Adam McKay sense. But um, right. Apart from that, I was really, and even then, I was really immersed with this film. I didn't feel like I was reading an essay. I felt like I was watching a very true experience of a film. I I, I felt right. completely invested in it and although yeah it does make a very matter-of-fact point of being different from other psychological thrillers i didn't see that as a kind of like it being obvious in the way that it was doing that i saw it as very much a kind of oh i'm glad if at least one film like this exists you know it, it may right. not be something i'll want to watch regularly but i'm glad yeah a filmmaker yeah. has gone out and actually made a film like this that we can think about we can ponder we can disagree on we yeah. can agree on it's, yeah. it's it's good. I'm I'm glad he's made it. Well, what's quite kind of interesting is with the whole annoyance about lecturing air quote thing, uh, is that if anything, the antagonists are so smug and that's part of what makes everything so uncomfortable. And mm. it's in their nature for these smug characters to then go like <laughs> and that's why you guys are wrong type thing. <laughs> and it from, makes you hate like, them more. I'm not saying the film yeah. is doing that. You're meant to, like, it makes you hate them more, if Ex- anything. Exactly, yeah. are the ones smugly winking at you and smugly going, like, yeah. like jib- jibbing you in the ribs type thing. More than that, but, like, yeah. And, um, yeah. And aside from the story <laughs> of it as well, of this kind of the way it approaches the violence, I don't... I think this could have easily been a bad film if it had used its violence as more of a blunt instrument. But it's the film is so well directed. I think there are these. Michael Haneke really likes his very long shots, doesn't he? Even at the beginning, mm. you feel this very. Yeah. It doesn't. You don't have this sort of happy idyllic life, and then boom, we're into the violence. And there's a very yeah. slow, awkward build yeah. up to it, which makes yeah. you kind of curl up inside. And it's so. It's such a good little subtle. Um, sort of building up that will eventually lead to the violence. It's really well done. And there are these clever little moments of irony as well, where um, oh, the, the the scene with the car, I'm not going to say what it is, mm. but you, you know what I'm talking right. about, right? That's probably my other favourite yeah. moment in the film. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, she thinks she should do this, but then that proves wrong. And then she does the other, the opposite, but that also proves wrong. It's such a clever yeah. little moment yeah. of irony. And it, it does make you curl up and think, oh God, why, right. why am I watching this? <laughs> It's yeah. it's really well uh, done, I think. It's very intelligently made, this film, I think. Yeah, so I guess, I guess to just... Because I feel like we are stepping around it a bit. Just, just <laughs> I'm just going to give a bit more context as to... I mean, I know I've kind of said it in the synopsis, but yeah, this normal family, like, get this home invasion from these two antagonists that are Peter and Paul or Tom and Jerry, Beavers and Butthead. They change names throughout the entirety of the film and basically just subject them to just hell uh, and, and, and it, like, just the sadistic nature of, like, you can't do anything, um, but you're going to play along with us type thing. Um, what I found interesting when speaking to your mum about it was uh, how she said the family just looked like normal people. Yeah, she did say um, that, yeah. Because she was comparing it to the, the remake of this film that yeah. Michael Haneke also did with oh, okay. the, the actors in it. So it's in the American remake, it's Naomi Watts and Tim Roth who are much more, right. like, a, especially Naomi Watts, more attractive 
people, I think, and more right. kind of Hollywood grade. Whereas the people in this, like you said, they're much more plain, I think, and mm. that adds to it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, just a fun fact apparently, Isabel Huppert was meant to pay, play the role of Anna, but turned it down because of she thought it would be a very hard role to play. And I agree. It, would, it, yeah. is, it just seems like torture to. And she film. she could have pulled um, it off, I think, really well. Um, yeah, but, I'd, I'd, but it's just yeah. like there's some scenes in this where I'm like, I as an actor, I'd just be knackered. Like for instance, there's a ten minute, yeah, ten. It's like, it feels like ten minutes at least. <laughs> one take. Oh, the one I was mentioning earlier. Pa- yeah, yeah, where it's essentially <clears throat> a panic attack, uh, and the, the, what the actors are going through feels very real um, and very natural. To the point where they, I think they even became a couple after the film was made. Um, I didn't you, know that. Like, you, you can see they've got a very natural chemistry because they've clearly put a lot of care into the character's relationship. Um, I just would not want to be in their headspace at all. Do, uh, uh, <laughs> like, what's, what's weird is obviously it's a very depressing film when we talk about it, but it, it's, it's not fun to watch, but it's like, it's still. There's something about it, like even with the iconography or the, the posters. The, I love the red in this film. It's like, like I'm not talking about blood. I'm talking about just like the the red the the red font and yeah. I love the, I love the poster. It's a very shock, not shocking poster, but yeah, um, very troubling. <laughs> yeah, like Mike Haneke and his other films are quite beige and like just slow and still and there are elements of that in this film but there is a lot more playfulness in this film because of this the the antagonists and the games that they want to play and yeah like it's the closest he's gotten from what i've seen to a genre film mm. and obviously i know he doesn't like genre and he doesn't like american representation of uh how action and violence are a thing in film but at the same time, I still enjoy the film for those things that he doesn't like. So yeah, because I'm, I'm never going to fully agree with him. I was like, going to ask you about this, ever. about the sort of the context behind what Michael Haneke's re- views are on this film, and because you, you said you kind of disagree right. with him in a sense. Do you want to elaborate well, on that a bit? From what I understand is, I think he finds a lot of things in Hollywood uh, and just filmmaking quite perverse like i saw a quote somewhere where he was like shocked that people do make holiday videos with their cameras (laughs) um to which i'm like calm down (laughs) (laughs) but but you know what i mean like um and then like he he hates schindler's list he feels like it was like a disgusting film to make but uh but at the same and he he said he said it felt manipulative but literally all of filmmaking is manipulative. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I don't agree with him. Mm. Funny Games is a very manipulative film. I know he's probably using that as a point, and I'm sure I'm missing something, but that's why I'm saying I'm always going to probably disagree with him because the very nature of filming. and It's like when people criticise documentaries for being manipulative. I'm like, literally all of film is ma- manipulative. Yeah, it's I to t- manipulate you into feeling a type of way. Yeah, because I... I I don't know many opinions about this man. I didn't know his views on Schindler's List and home videos. Right. I, that, that's but new just, to me. Right, but, just um, don't, 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 I wouldn't say necessarily focus on 
his his opinion is more so of the idea of films and violence on film and action and stuff like that to be of a manipulative nature. I think, yeah, because from when I first watched this film, what I gathered it to mean, because I think you told me as well, is that what he finds reprehensible is the uh, sort of catharsis we feel when we're shown right. violence yeah. in films, because we associate something that should be negative with a positive right. emotion. And that's, from what I understand, that's the reason he made Funny Games, right? It was to completely right, yeah. flip that yeah. on its head. So you yeah. you have all this violence, but all you're feeling is a completely negative emotion throughout. Right. You don't feel any yeah. catharsis. You don't feel satisfaction. Yeah. You just feel dread yeah. and discomfort. And as far as that goes, I, I think he's done that successfully yeah. with Funny Games. I, I think he's... Definitely. He he done did good, <laughs> Michael Haneke. Well, well done. <laughs> there's, there's, so to that to yeah, that extent, no, like, I, I agree yeah. with him. I think he's articulated that well, uh, both while voicing his opinions and in film form. I, I think he's articulated that point very well. Yeah, I just looking at a trivia thing now. It says director Michael Haneke told the producer, who I'm sorry I can't pronounce your name, told the producer during the production that if the film was a, was a success, it would be audiences have misunderstood the meaning behind it mm. um i'm looking at it now i like i really like the filmmaker a lot i've watched a lot of his filmography the more and more i see of what he says the more i'm like you're so fucking pompous but <laughs> anyway like <laughs> and even and he remade the film uh in america because he felt like it applied more to american cinema and that the message was getting lost because it was in a different language. Mm. Um, I haven't seen the remake. I also kind of feel like there's not a point for me to see the remake because it is shot for shot the same. Um, yeah. But there are people that like the American one better than the, the original. Um, I can't fully comment on that. Um, but yeah, like, even though I disagree with a lot of what he says, this film is just purely off of my, the, how it, it gets my, like, heartbeat going it's a very high octane film despite some of the slow things within it i just love the the, the high octane nature of it it's why i like uncut gems it's like yeah. you know for instance like i find it funny that now now that i'm thinking about it where uh the whole debate of mark scorsese versus marvel of like those films being roller coasters these films are roller coasters to me as well <laughs> it's just they're not visual it's more in feeling mm. do you know what i mean yeah it's it's not a, an aesthetic roller coaster. Um, I don't know. What do you think of that element of the the sort of feeling nature of it? Do you mean? Yeah. Uh, yes. I. It's. It is. There is kind of. I was thinking about this. There is kind of a sort of paradoxical dissonance with this film because you you know Michael Haneke wants people to essentially hate this film in a way. Yeah. But here we are <laughs> praising it. So. Sure. In a in a in a very different sense, obviously, you know, I'm I'm kind <laughs> the of trouble of Michael Haneke. I'm kind of well, it's in, it's interesting because I'm kind of twisting this now because he made this film so people would have a negative reaction to it, right? Mm. Essentially, mm. like a negative, visceral reaction to it, and that's yeah. what we had. That's what a lot of people had, but at the same yeah. time, um, we we have a sort of positive, reflexive experience with this film in that right. we we hated it when watching it we hate the characters we hate how it makes us feel about the world and about the the film but 
we're we're still praising it. You know, we we still come out of this film re- re- in a reflective sense, thinking we've we've had a good time, and the mm. sort of the initial horror we feel from this film is now worn off because it's been overshadowed right. by our sort of critical praise of the film. Sure. So in so in then in that sense, has Hanukkah failed on another level? <laughs> At making this film, I'm going it's really like a snake kind eating of, itself. Isn't I'm, it? I'm going really <laughs> sort of into the. Do you know what I mean? Though there is this kind of yeah, yeah, no. I'd, yeah. I'd, I mean, obviously, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an ever tangling web. Um, <laughs> yeah, it. I. It's not an imperfect film for me, but like, I don't think I. Hmm, Wait, do I you mean it it's five out of five? Do you mean it's not a perfect like, film, or do you? No, no, I'm saying it's not imperfect, even despite the criticisms. So I've it given. is perfect. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. That's point. Sorry. I'm... It's just, I think I, uh, yeah, I think what I like about this film is just how much it, I can, it, I can f- not flip flop on it, but how much it can challenge me and how much it challenges other people. Um, like, for instance, when we were in college, like our teacher was like, if you want to walk out, that's fine. That I pe- and people did. That's what I said and to I, my mum. I was like, oh, wow. I'm watching like, this film. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's the first time I've ever had an experience. And now that I think about it, really the only time I've had an experience of uh, seeing mass different reactions in a room full of people and then like walking out and disgust and horror and intrigue and stuff like that. The power of um, cinema. Yeah. Like I haven't, like, I think people have had that in when seeing Titan recently mm-hmm. uh, at, at like festivals and stuff. And I'm sure it's happened with that. But that for me, that I, that's of memory. That's the only time uh, I've, I've had that. Um, I sound really serious. It's just, <laughs> it's just, I like, it, ah, it's just, yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> um, Do you want to give like a quick wrap up or? Yeah. I was just try, like trying to think. Sorry. I don't mean to rush you. I don't <laughs> see it. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on and off my train of thought a lot today. Mm. That's why I'm, I'm like trying to gather it back. Um, I'm trying to think why people should see this and then why they would want to see Michael Haneke's films outside of this because this is kind of different to a lot of his other ones. The other ones are way more slower and way more beige <laughs> and way more nihilistic. This film's nihilistic as well, but like the others are like... Ugh they're a task <laughs> this is a, yeah um why should you see this task over other tasks um it's still entertaining and if you like like if you like your catharsis stuff being tested go watch this yeah i don't know does that make sense <laughs> yeah i guess if you want to be emotionally challenged is that if yes. that's what you're trying to say yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know, I'd agree. I'd Um, give a similar reason for wrapping it up. I would say that, um, you know, if if you want to see a film that subverts the normal tropes of a psychological thriller in a way Mm. that, you know, gives you the opposite feeling of what you would normally get with a film like this, then go see it because it is subverting it, but not in a sort of blunt way. The filmmaking is very intelligent and very clever um the way it's written is very good i think um and it is a film that although if you, if you want to be immersed in a in the worst possible way in a most sort of unsettling <laughs> and uncomfortable way but then come out yeah. of it with a kind of 
a, a greater sense of how to view films, then, then go watch this film, mm. I would say. Yeah, it is an experience, Absolutely. and I'm glad at least one of these films exists, but just one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, other ways to see it. Um, if you're on Amazon Prime and you have a Curzon subscription through Amazon Prime, it's on there. Um, and maybe YouTube. Who knows? Like, <laughs> Who knows? A lot of the films I've talked about uh, that on, on YouTube are no longer on YouTube. Um, so I don't want to give it that curse. But yeah. Um, weird theme that we both, or something in common that we've found with these two films. Um, they both involve games. So do you want to they do segue into that that <laughs> so yeah uh well yeah our, our next film that we're going to be talking about is uh personally my one of my favorite films uh who's afraid of virginia wolf so this is mm. a film i'll give a quick synopsis this is a film from 1966 and based on a play of the same name and it follows a very maladjusted married couple george who is an associate history professor at a university and martha his wife who is the daughter of the president of that same university and they're coming home from a party one night very drunk and beleaguered and they decide to invite some guests around to their house that they met at the party a young biology professor biology teacher from the uh, from the same university and his wife honey and over the course of the night george and martha take out their very twisted marriage onto this young couple by playing a series of twisted mind games with them. <laughs> and that's, that's how, the f- how the rest of the film goes. They spend the whole evening playing these twisted mind games with each other. Mm. Do you have a synopsis I for this film, so Joe? funny how... No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Hey. Like, <laughs> I, I just find it funny how like, we've, these are, like, we didn't specifically go, oh, yeah, let's, let's link these two together. Like, but, but yet they still inv- involve like, these twisted... I kind of want to see a crossover (laughs) of these two films. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, So yeah, uh, so how many times have you seen this one? This was my third time watching this film. Um, I I don't re-watch films often. A lot of my favourite films Mm. are ones I've only seen like a handful of times because I'm always trying to watch new stuff and I don't want to kind of wear out a film. But yeah, this is my third time watching this film and I have to say that I think... It's not only one of my favourite films, I think it is now my favourite film, like my single favourite film. It is, after 12 Angry Men holding the top spot for four and a half years, (laughs) it has finally been dethroned by Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. It is just, wow. Yeah. So like I I, mentioned with, uh, that we talked about um, Chunking Express and Rear Window on the podcast, uh, we've also talked about some of your other favourite films being The Apartment and Coraline. We have, so yes. Now we've gotten, we now have gotten to the top of the Night P Mountain. Yeah. I'm going to segue <laughs> back to The Apartment in a second when, when talking sure. about this film. But um, okay. yeah, so first, just to give a bit of history about it. So I first watched mm. this film when I was 19. I remember it vividly, actually. It was in the last week of the summer holiday before I went into my second year at university. And... Over this summer break, I was trying to watch a lot of films, basically, that I hadn't seen Mm. before. A lot of the, like, the classics, because I realised there were quite a few that I hadn't seen yet. Like, um, what was it, Lord of the Rings trilogy I needed to watch, Godfather Part 2, Blade Runner 2014. It It wasn't, actually. That was one I'd I'd actually seen before. um, Because I I remember in in uni, there was that, 
that catch-up task or that we had or something. Oh, yeah, but or, I just or, chose... no, it just said, what films have you watched? Oh, right, oh, so I, I, I thought, just chose I that anyway. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, okay. there, there were, there were <laughs> so, quite okay. a few of them. I think, oh, God, most of them were, like, these sort of big Oscar films, like Cabaret, The Apartment. Um, right. And, yeah, this one, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Because I was looking for another film to watch, and I, I like films based on plays a lot, um, mm. or just films that yeah. are very similar to plays in form. And right. I found this. I found out about this film from a list I found online, which was these films where the entire cast was nominated for an Oscar. And I thought, oh, oh that's right. interesting because there were there are only three films where that's the case. This one, uh, the film Sleuth, starring Michael Caine and Laurence Olivier, and a film called Give 'Em Hell, Harry, which is a film starring James Whitmore as President Harry Truman. And now, Power of the Dog. Uh, well, is that the entire cast, though? Or is that just, like, the main players? Yeah. All of the main... Pl- the, all all right. the main speaking roles. Sure, okay. That's Oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> Power Sorry, of the Dog. I just, I just um, thought that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I, I watched yeah. this film for the, the first time when I was 19, and it was... I was absolutely enthralled with it from beginning to end. This film has kind of been burned into my brain since watching it for the first time, like no other film I've seen before or after it i absolutely love it and i think so just to go into the reasons why i love it so much i think the first reason i want to bring up is uh, richard burton's performance in this film oh, yeah. and how it has yeah. since watching it for the first time it has become my all-time favorite performance by any actor in a feature oh, film wow. i absolutely love it i'm not saying it's critically like the best performance right. ever mate arguably not even the best performance in this film a lot of people praise this for elizabeth taylor they say she's kind okay. of the, the crown jewel in this film, or Sandy Dennis, who also won the Oscar for it. But there's Richard Burton in this. I just remember from like the very first shot of him and Martha walking in the front door. This, uh, yeah, it just this film absolute his performance. I, which, which is your your I, your your wallpaper? It is on my laptop. Yeah, it's the wallpaper on my laptop. <laughs> and I just remember feeling an instant connection to his performance. Just the way mm. he kind of carries himself. This kind of jaded sarcasm and sort of sense of superiority but insecurity he has i kind of it's weird i felt like i kind of saw a little bit of myself in him when watching this film for the first time i was i I made a joke to you saying like i think this film might be my joker in (laughs) because i I was i was was saying this to ruben the other day ruben a previous guest on our podcast big up Mm. uh go to episode three big up big up big up uh, I was saying to him that, like, if The Apartment is sort of my anti-Joker, in that it's the film that I positively <laughs> aspire towards in terms of being sure. witty and pure and being a sort of morally <laughs> upright, upstanding member of society, then, yeah, yeah. then this film is my Joker-Joker, in that it's a film that I kind right. of resonate with in a perverse way, even though I know I shouldn't. Because Richard Burton's character in this is not a well-adjusted... chaotic evil. He's my chaotic evil. I think... <laughs> Richard Burton in this I, film and yeah. Jack Lemmon in the apartment are the kind of angel and devil sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> I think so. I, I obviously I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, yeah, I'd say I. Oh, I'm sorry. F- Funny Games is my evil, nice. and then I'd say like Chunking Express is the positive. I thought thing. Paddington too, surely. <laughs> Or Paddington too. Yeah. Chunking Express it more so recently. All right, but yeah, it's sort of. I, I just realised yeah. something we've got in, in common. It's, there, it's kind that. of the yin and the uh, yang, or the the id and yeah. the whatever. I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> someone can correct me on that. But um, realising it's it's good to realise what 
toxic elements you you it like it <laughs> without yeah not saying explore them but like i'm saying as in yeah. like everyone you know everyone can't take their eyes off a car crash yeah well all right yeah no but yeah you know know what i mean i know what you mean but yeah just going back to um yeah i I really resonated with his character in this film i saw a lot of myself in it and i still kind of do in a perverse way just and the way he speaks as well like his intonation and the way he carries this dialogue in the film i'll go back to that in a minute but also, just the way he interacts with Martha, played by Elizabeth Taylor, who was actually his wife back then, which probably helped the performance. They were married, and they had a kind of tumultuous marriage. Another commonality. Exactly. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's what, what I've kind of resonated with especially was I found that Richard Burton's character in this, George, is very much a reactionary character to Martha. Right. I felt like Martha is this sort of big personality with all this these kind of big declarations and George is kind of like cowering saying like, yes, Martha. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And it's kind of, it's very much a sort of passive reactionary performance. And I feel like I see myself in that kind of way. I, I, especially when I was 19, when I first saw this, I was a much more kind of antisocial sort of passive individual who saw himself as very reactionary to more sort of big personalities around him. And I, I, watching him in this film kind of it spoke to me like no other performance mm. has done in a film right. so that that's one reason i love this film so much i mean i, I hope Burton. you don't i hope you don't blow up <laughs> <laughs> um yes you know that, <laughs> that's one reason i love this film so much and also i was thinking about it and how if this film was just richard burton's character and if he was sort of the most sophisticated character in this film i wouldn't like it as much but the fact that right. everyone around him, all the other characters, so George and Martha, uh, so Martha, his wife, and the young couple, mm. Nick and Honey, who come and visit them, are all equally complex and maladjusted and sort of take turns at being the sort of winner in a particular argument or yeah. situation. It really, that's what fascinates me. That's what keeps me on my toes with this film. How there isn't, it's not like, say, with an Aaron Sorkin film where you have the clearly smart character and the dumb characters who are like who aren't quite as articulate. I don't know. That's a generalization. Well, but <laughs> you say that you, you say that. I one thing I found, which I always have in in Aaron Sorkin films and Wes Anderson films, yeah, and I have it in this one is the, and also some Kaufman films where you, the constant use of having another character correct someone. Yes. So there's a lot of oh, you meant to say this actually. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I, there is quite I, I a found bit of that. I found that quite common in this one but it wasn't as smug and jarring as say a Sorkin it was yeah and it's not smug and jarring because it feels real I think like one of the things I again I, I'm just gonna go on about this film there's so much yeah, no, I want to no, talk about please. it and I'm not gonna this is the gush episode yeah, yeah. Don't, like, um, I've you're I, please feel free to <laughs> jump and fall off of your train of thought yeah, yeah. I, I know I have because so. I, I wrote a review on <laughs> yeah. Letterboxd of this film ages ago it was like five paragraphs and even then I feel like I was scratching the surface with it but um I, I'm the same with funny games yeah, yeah. um what was <laughs> yeah. it with, with this one I feel like so the dialogue in this film not only is it delivered by these amazing amazing performances from everyone especially in my mind Richard Burton but just, I think the way the dialogue is written strikes a perfect balance between being theatrical and being realistic. Because it has that Aaron Sorkin yeah. sense of, like, everyone knows exactly what to say at the right time. And it's kind of this balletic, immaculate dialogue that's written, like, these sort of witty comebacks and the sort of 
the way it ebbs and flows, someone will say one thing, then they twist it to mean another thing, and then they go back. It's like it's like watching a dance almost, but at the same time, it doesn't feel too stagey, and maybe that's partly because of the delivery of these actors pretending to be quite sort of drunk and awkward, but it feels right. convincing. I never thought for a moment, oh, this film's being preachy or unrealistic. It fe- I felt fully immersed in what these characters were saying at every time, every minute of this film. And yeah, I, so going back to what you said about Funny Games and why you loved it so much, one of the reasons sure. you pointed out was your, you like a film where you know what to expect in a, in a sense, you, or, or at least you did just back more so then. Just a c- controlled anxiousness. Yeah. And that you sort of, you like know... It's a controlled environment that you're sitting down ex- knowing, once you've seen the film, obviously, because the first, yeah. first watch is different, but you can sit this down knowing what's, like, this is what I'm going to get thrown at. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, I think, I had that in a sense with this one, but also the flip side of it, because... I, I really love films that are just unpredictable. And I noticed that when I watched yeah. this for the first time. This film doesn't have a clearly visible structure to my eyes anyway. It doesn't have like right. a clearly visible act one, two, and three. I mean, in a sense, it probably does. But I remember watching this film and having kind of no idea at what point of the story we're at. We're like, have we got half an hour left? Have we got 10 minutes left? Yeah. It just takes you on a journey, really. It's, it's fascinating. And I, I love films that do that, where it just... You have no idea what's going to happen next. But also, it feels like it has a great sense of pacing, I think, because like, it goes from one event to the next at such a great, consistent pace, I think. And it's very rare that I see that in films. I wrote this in my letterbox review. It's very rare that I see a film that will be so sort of energetically paced, but also in a way mm. kind of meandering and unpredictable. It's it's really just a spectacle to watch in this film. It's It's really something... And then, yeah. obviously, so uh, there's a lot of technical elements in this film. So this film at the Oscars was nominated for 13 Oscars, which back then I think it meant it swept every category it could be nominated in. And right. it, won, it won five awards for Elizabeth Taylor, Sandy Dennis, Best Actress and Supporting Actress, respectively. Um, right. Also, for its cinematography, its black-and-white cinematography by Haskell Wexler. I think I pronounced that name right. And it also won for its production design and its costume design. And also, yeah, on a technical level, that's partly also why I love the this film, because I just... The risk with adapting a, f- uh, a film from a play, especially when you're a first-time director. This was directed by Mike Nichols, and it was his very first film. This and is the, his first film? This is his first film. <laughs> and the fact that he made it so... Fuck! cinematic and just incredible to watch um i did not know that so yeah and like because it could have run the risk of feeling stagey and kind of flat yeah, yeah but like there's so that's such great attention to detail with blocking and lighting and mm. editing and it just it feels like a proper film and not just like a play adaptation because there's another film i watched a while ago a mike lee film called abigail's party which right, has yeah. the exact same premise as this film it is it's a sort of beleaguered married couple who invite another younger married couple around and they play twisted mind games with each other. But in my mind, that's a sort of case study on how to do that, but badly. <laughs> I don't, right. have, have you seen it? I, no, um, I, 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 uh, I, I, I don't really run to 
Mike Lee stuff. No, neither point. do I. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is that was a film well, that yeah. it's kind of mirrored Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but just it's sure. worse in every way. It's not cinematic. The dialogue is very blunt. The performances I aren't good. I do see where... Yeah, I do see where <coughs> a lot of newer films... Like, I was watching this, being like, oh, I see, I see the party in this, uh, Sally Potts' mm. The Party, and then I also see, recently, I'm not saying it's the same type of... I'm not saying it's, like, the same quality, but a lot of Malcolm and Marie owes a lot to... Uh, oh, yeah, film. God, I haven't even seen Malcolm and Marie, but I, I do think, from the trailer, it is a direct sort of inspiration point from this and i think even some reviews have pointed that out how it is right it is basically yeah. just diet who's afraid of virginia Woolf. it's a yeah mo- modern yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um, um what else i've talked about the performances the technical so, elements right can yeah. you can you tell me ne- what is it necessarily necessarily that you like about stage stagey films for lack of a better term i don't know it's so I've noticed I like films that are based on plays because often it's it's a film that takes place in one location during real time mm. and it means that there's there isn't so much a focus on locations or moving around a lot it's very much 100% focused on characters and that's yeah. the sort of that's the thing I really get fascinated with in films is an exploration of characters, what these characters are yeah. thinking, how they interact with each other, what their, how their mind works, just to really get into that. And I think you only really get to do that a hundred percent in a film that's kind of that feels a bit stagey because you right. have all these characters in one location and there isn't, like I said, a focus on scenery or like where to go to next or like the next plot point you just yeah. you put a bunch of characters in a space and just see how they interact it's like a zoo almost <laughs> you right. just you just watch them interact with each other and i think like i said it makes it unpredictable because there isn't so much a sense of plot and it just it's really fascinating to watch because you can see things in these you if you watch these characters for long enough and if you reveal enough about them you might like i did with richard burton see something in yourself in these characters and right. find something to resonate with but also as it, the film goes on Richard Burton you realise his character has done there's, he has a very dark past this character I'm not sure. going to reveal anything too much about it but he has demons that he's wrecking with which you don't want to relate to so it kind of challenges how you look at yourself and it's just sure. oh my god yeah. um, I'm going to like so, take a moment and just like go to you for, and I like, ask you what your thoughts that's okay. that's were on fine. this film. That's fine. Because um, <laughs> I will just keep so, going otherwise. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, what's quite interesting, what I was thinking of when you were saying this to me, was um, I think a lot of the criticisms for uh, play adaptations, and I'm just going to use recent examples, say something like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or Fences, mm. is that people watch the film and they go... I was better off just watching the play. You haven't done much to adapt it filmically. Where I feel like this film improves on, like, against that sentiment is that it's filmic. It uses... It, yes, it's contained and yes, it's like a, a bottled environment. But some of the, the editing techniques and some of the, the camera work in this film is really inspired. Like I remember messaging you as soon as this, it happened <laughs> where they, they cut from... Uh, is it the car starting to her spinning? Yes. Dancing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh my god! It's so good. Ah. And then even just like <laughs> there's there's a there's a kind of uh, 
Autumn Sonata Igmar Bergman type of shot in the living room where it's three faces in a row, yes. but it looks like a split diopter. It is split diopter, and, yeah. Yeah. I think okay, Ma- cool. Mike Nichols likes doing that a lot. I've, he does it in The Graduate yeah. a couple of times, and it's... Um, whether whereas yeah. other play films would just, you know, pop the actor in, you're basically watching a play. That's exactly. And that's what um, um, Abigail's Party did, I think. It wasn't cinematic right. at all. It's a TV movie, so I don't think they had a high budget. Yeah. But it does just feel like they plopped the camera down and said, act. Mm. Whereas with this, like you said, right. it's it's a film. It's cinematic. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's incredible. So what did you think about this so, when um, you watched it? What, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, at, at this moment in time, I've given it a four because of the state I watched it in. I didn't feel 100% ready watching it. Like, obviously, I was watching it for the podcast, but it's, it's a first-time watch, whether as, um, for me, uh, whether as we've watched Funny Games quite a few times now. Yeah. So I'm still a new on it. Um, I really like it. There's a lot I can praise. At the moment, on a, as a first watch, uh, I mentally checked out at one point in the the same way that I do with films like Malcolm and Marie, where for me I go and we're still arguing, <laughs> we're still arguing. I think a lot of okay. that's that's interesting that you say that because um, I think that was one of the worries that the producer. So the film was produced by Ernest Lehman, yeah. and he, he, this was one of the concerns he had with this film going out. And I, I don't know what the reception was at the time. I think it was quite good, but it was definitely. Right. A concern they had about, oh, is this film too talky? Almost. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot that I love about that's still staying in there. Like, yeah. you know, and, and even with, with arguments on film, like I, a lot of people be like, oh, like, why would you want to watch Marriage Story? It's just a couple arguing. It's like, and it's not just a couple arguing. It's the relationship between them. Exactly. And like it, Elizabeth Taylor and, oh, you froze and, it. and uh and oh oh Matty P's disappeared. Oh uh one moment. Oh Just no time. Oh no Hello? 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 Hello, hello, hello. 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 Oh god, you're here. That's good. <laughs> Can you see yeah. me? Are you still recording? Yeah. I can't see you, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still recording, still recording. <laughs> I'm here. Um Are you? Yeah, I can hear you. I can see you and hear cool. you. Right. Before I fall off that train, um, uh, what I like, basically what I was trying to say is Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, their relationship is very palpable on camera and you care about them. Yeah. Um, so even if it is constant arguing for two hours, you're still stuck to it. Yeah. Only for me, towards the end, I was getting less and less stuck to it. But that's, that's just that's how I was enough. watching it at the time. Do you want a little fun um, fact about this film? Sure, go ahead. Uh, so Edward Albee, the original writer of this play, originally wanted uh, James Mason and Betty Davis for the roles <laughs> of George and Martha. James Mason. <laughs> James Mason. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. Uh, he originally wanted them for the part, but then Mike Nichols, the director, and Ernest Lehman, the writer and producer of this film, um, instead chose Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. And Albee apparently, even after the film was made, thought that the film would have been less flashy, but a deeper film if it was James Mason and Betty Davis. I didn't... I'm <laughs> glad with the casting. 
I, like, no, I, I think it's perfect <laughs> casting. I think it's absolutely yeah, yeah. pitch perfect. I can't see. I can't. I can't see James Mason in this. And I, also, could, I, whenever, I can see him in it, but I wouldn't. I don't know. I think Richard Burton is perfect. Whenever I get, whenever I get like hear certain debates of like, for instance, uh, I remember hearing a review of The Great Gatsby where someone was like, Tobey Maguire wasn't that great. Anyone could have pe- played that role. I, I hate that argument because. No one else did, so shut up. Like, you were like, <laughs> this, do you know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel with this. Like, uh, Richard Burton's performance, his voice is just like, like ASMR. It's oh great. my God, yeah. And then Elizabeth Taylor just is so, like, theatrical in the best way possible. And yeah. some of the, going off what you said about the, the dialogue earlier, um, it's so poetic. I, I had to steal a phrase. I I wrote the phrase blood under the bridge in my notes for like when I <laughs> want to write creative lines and stuff. I love that phrase. And then also I saw a lot of reviews where people were just like, I am, what's the, the, the queen mother? Of, I am the earth know, the mother quote. and you are all flops. <laughs> Such a great yeah. line. No, it's, it's just, it is a garden of beautiful dialogue. This film, it is, yeah. it's a majesty to behold, honestly. Um, yeah, and yeah, just the way they deliver it, and like I said before, all the characters are kind of like this film doesn't play favorites with the characters, which is why I love right. it. I think in the sense that everyone gets their moment. There are sometimes when Richard Burton is um, getting the better of Elizabeth Taylor, and then they're vice versa, and then the way he interacts with the other couple as well to get bits of information out of them that he then uses against them later in the film it's such a great sense of setup and payoff which yeah. i only really appreciated on this time round i think that sort of linking back With, to previous events in the film yeah without spoiling it necessarily um obviously they, they are playing mind games throughout yeah. the film there is a moment where a character is like oh i get it and I didn't get it. Can oh. you semi-describe that to me? <laughs> <laughs> it might be best to do after we finish recording, so I can sure. properly just... Because okay. it's interesting, so... Cause you you, met... well, I guess talk, talk about those games, then, if, for, for the audience. Right. Just, like, how um, it has unraveled in the film. I won't be too specific, but sure. there are basically points where George and Martha are kind of not only playing games with Nick and Honey, the other couple, but also playing games with each other on how to play the games with this other couple in the sense that they will tell little bits of information, little fragments about their life as a married couple to Nick and Honey, but you don't know if that it's true or not. And they kind of have to guess whether it's true and they kind of play around with the truth. And it's interesting because you messaged me after you finished watching it saying you didn't get the ending and I thought you were going to say the opposite. Oh, no, just that scene. That scene. Oh, right. Because I thought you, I thought yeah. you were going to say, oh, that the ending was too predictable or something. But the fact that... Because oh, right. you, no. you didn't see it coming. Okay, that's... Because neither did I when I first oh, it's watched not, it. It's not but... that I didn't see it coming. It's that I didn't understand that revelation. Yeah. I, I, I know that's vague, vague, vague for audiences, but like, yeah. but it, it's... you'll understand once you watch it. Yeah, I suppose without spoiling <laughs> um... it too much, the revelation sort of ties into how... George and Martha are constantly in this torment with each other. Sure. But then that torment... It just once, it wraps up their marriage. Yeah, it? once like, it reaches its crescendo, yeah. you realise these two people are terrible for, for each other, but in a way, they're the only two people who understand each other. And that's kind of what the end of the sure. film buys into. Like yeah. After they've had all these arguments and fights and misunderstandings, yeah. they still 
are kind of codependent in a way. They need each other, right. which is kind of back what I said. The, this film doesn't play favorites. This film deals with each character in an equally complex way, in my opinion. And it's, yeah. it's yeah. beautiful to watch. Fun fact about this film. This is one of Edward Norton's favorite films, oh, <laughs> apparently. Right. Along, along with Tampopo. And The King of Comedy. You've also seen that yes, video, right. haven't you? Yeah, I have. <laughs> That's how I found out about Tan Popo. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no way. That's cool. Yeah. Um, another fun fact, this is the first movie to be given the MPAA tag of no one under 18 will be admitted unless accompanied by their parents. Yeah, I didn't know that. Which is weird, because it's not that scandalous of a film now that you look at it. But yeah. Um, Also, yeah, and... I'm sure the culture at that time is not probably seeing a couple argue to this extent. And apparently, yeah. yeah, and apparently the film was very, very, very close to the original play. I think there was like one or two lines of dialogue changed. So the scene where Martha mm. says, God damn you, was originally F you in the original play. But- oh, I, I love how old films treat saying, ah, oh, nuts, like it's the worst <laughs> word in the world. I just, I whenever it. that popped up, I was, I just, I, it just, my mind flashed back to like those, um, blooper reels you see of like jimmy stewart and yeah and, and people like that when they're like <laughs> oh nuts <laughs> <laughs> it's so wholesome i love it um yeah yeah i yeah, know this um i love this film so much <laughs> yeah to be honest like my main criticism is kind of nullified now that i find out that it's his first ever film <laughs> it's his first one so he followed this up with the graduate which is Another oh, absolute master. He's good, isn't he? He's he a good is good. Boy. Yeah, it's, I think I remember watching <laughs> The Graduate first, and then watching this, and thinking, "Oh my god, is Mike Nichols my favorite director? He might be." And I I was list, I was listening to a, a a podcast from Jeff Nichols where he like mm. essentially like tries to talk like about his career as if his dad didn't exist, and I'm like, like it's like he doesn't mention his dad too much, and I'm like, your your dad's Mike Nichols. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, have to like. And it's, it's interesting. So yeah. before, when I first saw this, I wasn't sure which I preferred, this or The Graduate. And I think, critically speaking, I think The Graduate is the slightly better film. I think sure. it, it, in terms of direction alone, it's like it's maybe one of the best, if not the best directed film I've ever seen, The Graduate. It's, oh, wow. it's an okay. absolute masterpiece. And it's in a way, maybe his most important film and his most kind of complete film right. and the sort of themes it deals with, the generation gap and just the way it's made. But reflecting on it, the, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf resonates with me just a little bit more, I think. So, sure. yeah. You haven't seen The Graduate think... yet, have you? I still haven't. No, oh, okay. I need to. You should. It's really yeah. good. I've listened to the soundtrack a lot. Hey, like they're really good. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, he's done two, I would say, perfect films, Mike Nichols. And then yeah. I, need, I need to check um, out I some th- of his other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I've seen, definitely seen more of Jeff Nichols' stuff, I'd say. Have you? Now that I think of it. I think, um, right. yeah. Um, yeah, it's a quick preface. Don't be worried about us two in terms of, I know we've said that like we love, like we're not going to become these toxic people. It's just more so, <laughs> we've, it, these films give us in, in, like they're intriguing is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and that was what my car crash analogy was meant to mean. I don't just I, I No, I get, I get that. I'm just like... <laughs> just look at these like violent things outside like i said this film is balanced out with the apartment which is kind of the sort of antidote to this film you know in a way it's kind of my two sides of the same coin i I don't know it's no i agree i I love them both for the opposite reason if that's yeah yeah 
this has been a real, like, I know both of us are going to feel like we never really scratched the surface with talking about these films. And I'm sure we're going to think of things where we're like, wow, I needed to mention that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, <laughs> but it's, su- it's been such a fun one because like, is they're not, not necessarily personally revealing in that, oh, this says this about so-and-so, but it's just, it's just nice to hear about your experiences with it, where you were at the time. Yeah. Um, I, like, I don't feel like people's, like, when people go, oh, like, what's your favourite films? Like, they have to fully define the person. But, like, it's, it's, it's just nice to... It gives an inkling, hear. I think, doesn't it? Yeah. like, especially, yeah. like I said, this film... Thank you I've, for saving me, though. Yeah, I've explained <laughs> why this film resonated with me, particularly because of how I was back then and how, how I, in right. a way, still am now. And, you know, yeah. Funny Games, for you, I, I guess, like, it, you know, you studied it at college and it's kind of... Yeah. It reveals what you kind of look for in a film, that kind of controlled anxiety, definitely, as you said. Definitely yeah. with thrillers, yeah. Yeah, and, and absolutely. Like, basically anything high octane. Yeah. It, like, my bar is funny games and uncut gems. Nice. And good time. Um, yeah. So, uh, I get find little tidbits, I'd say, just before we go out. Um, go When you look at films later on, past these films what so for instance uh i see a lot of funny games in spore loss and killing of a sacred deer what do you see uh who's afraid of virginia wolf like what other films do you see those well, as, in? as i've mentioned so malcolm and marie which i haven't seen yet but i've seen the trailer so i guess that's one and then right. i guess the most blatant example was like i said abigail's party which felt almost like a okay. rip off of this film <laughs> but um I guess, what did you say? Um, there was a film called The Party, which I think you said. Yeah. Was, yeah. Or, but, yeah, yeah. It doesn't even which necessarily have to yeah, be yeah. like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a, a bottled film. It could be like, say, like character qualities you see from Elizabeth Taylor in a performance later on in life. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But um, we don't, have, we found a lot of commonalities today that we didn't un, like intentionally find. So we don't have to, I was just, it was just a <laughs> nice little tip. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where can people see this one, Matt? So this, you're going to hate me for this, but I think this might also be free on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> and I, <laughs> cause it, we're the YouTube snitches. The only time we snitch is snitching I, on YouTube. Cause I, I remember you, you messaged me <laughs> during this saying, Matt, where can I watch this? And I said, Oh, I kind of just bought it. Cause I, I want to watch it again I, and again. I, oh, so. I thought you meant for free on YouTube. I rented it on YouTube too. It, no, it's, so, it's to rent on YouTube, but I think it also is also for free. Cause my mum oh. and I managed to find a free copy. Um, and it's oh, good quality as well. It's not, it's not like Bob okay. quality. It's actually like <laughs> cinematic. Right, good, um, good. So yeah, both Sorry. of these films are available on YouTube to rent for sure. Maybe. For free? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Seek them out before you pay money. But they're worth paying for because they're both yeah. great films. And in the end, Definitely. isn't that all that matters? Yeah. Don't buy that coffee. Buy the film. <laughs> oh, it's been a fun one. It's, it has. It's, I've, yeah. I've enjoyed this Two episode whole years. immensely. Yeah. Two years. As always, thank you to our loyal listeners. You're the best. Yeah. Check out our pages. And yeah, we'll see you soon. And? Um, Ooh, that's a wrap! Wrap! Yep. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do